And good evening. This is the Tech Travel Geeks podcast. This is episode number 16, recorded on January 3rd, 2019. And I'm back. Uh, you may have noticed it's been a while since we did the last episode of the podcast, but we're back in 2019 with even greater things ahead. And as usual, I'm Matteo, and I'm joined by Lukash. Good evening, Lukash. Hey, Matteo. Yeah, it's been a while. Uh, how have you been? All right? Good, good, thanks. Uh, I've been to China and back. I've been working from home in Italy for a while. You've been doing some traveling as well, too, haven't you? Yeah, some skiing in in Italy, in France and uh, visiting my family in Poland. So, yeah, it's been good. Very good. And I know you have a lot of travel planned for the next few months. Um, we, we'll discuss that later and maybe firm things up before we announce it on Tech Travel Geeks. But uh, we're not alone this evening. We're joined by our friend uh, Gavin from Gavin's Gadgets. Good evening, Gavin. Good evening. Good evening, everyone. It's uh, good to be on. Thank you for uh, having us as a guest. Well, thank you for joining us. Uh, obviously, we've been admiring a lot of your videos and content that you've been creating over the last few years. Uh, you were in part uh, inspiration for how uh, we we started out with Tech Travel Geeks here on, on YouTube and also with our website. So. Uh, thank you for that. Uh, you, you're obviously someone who's been around in the tech industry. Your opinion is is valued not only by ourselves, but by many other people in the mobile and tech space. So it's great to have you on as a guest. Thank, thanks for joining us, Gavin. No, my pleasure. So obviously you're called Gavin Fabiani Lehmond. Uh, Gavin's Gadget is your your, your nickname, your, your brand name on the internet. Who is Gavin Fabiani Lehmond? Who, who is the person behind the brand? I don't know, but ask this person here. Um, <laughs> so, so, yeah, so obviously, like yourselves, I um, enjoy tech and have been playing with technology for over 10 years, probably, probably longer if I uh, think back. But it's just to have a, a, a hobby and I like sharing my passion. So that um, often means sort of... Um, Taking, taking phones and stretching them to their limits, not in a wrench, but, you know, pushing everything, adding software, gaming, fi uh, filming, video, photography, and then also test on the audio front. Family man, so um, usual thing there. got four dogs, which feature quite um, promptly in a lot of my test subjects in uh, photography because you want to see, can you capture a dog moving? Because that answers a lot of questions. <laughs> How could the camera is sometimes or one of the tests for the camera? Yes, this, dogs and animals in general are a great te test case for cameras and, and gadgets. Uh, so you see you have four dogs, and I, I admire a lot of the pictures you take of your, your walks and Dartmoor with the dogs. Uh, tell us more about where you live and where you take your dogs for walks. Well, as you just, uh, just briefly alluded, I live in Dartmoor National Park which for those that don't uh, know is down in Devon, which is the southwest of the United Kingdom. Um, Dartmoor is a moor, so it's very high. Um, it's a very rugged landscape. Due to the height, you tend to have your own weather patterns because it's uh, that kind of thing. It's, but it's a beautiful 
328 miles square miles of open land with some villages stuck in between so yeah it's uh, awesome well, so um if you haven't had a chance yet go and check out gavin's instagram twitter feeds the handle is at gavin's gadgets all one word and you'll see lots of lovely pictures of labs out in the in in the moor and yeah. a few few horses and ponies too yeah whatever take you know there's all sorts of wildlife um there isn't lions roaming free or anything like that kind of wildlife but there's you do get you know quite a you know, sort of um normal stuff that you would find on a sort of say farmland but open moorland and you can see birds of prey come down occasionally and uh, swipe and pick up a wild rabbit that sort of stuff it's it's a it's quite breathtaking because the weather and the seasons are quite dramatic or very they actually do we do have seasons which makes a change yes it's it's a, it's very idyllic it's the sort of thing that uh, some of us are are look at and think I could settle down somewhere like that and I could live there. Um, we, we're quite lucky. We live in Edinburgh. It's a very green city. We have a lot of very nice scenery and hill walks and gardens and parks. So we're, we're lucky in that respect. But Dartmoor looks like that uh, sort of perfect English countryside to us. <laughs> and well, it's the, the, the architecture difference <coughs> is also quite, quite noticeable. Yeah, I think... Edinburgh's got a great historic city. You know, the old part's really nice as well. So, and you've got the Highlands, probably what an hour from you. Highlands, yes, um, yes. not too far. Uh, Lukash is the one who drives in the UK, so you, you're probably more of an expert on how far it is to Stirling and beyond. Yeah, it's quite close. It's it's lovely there, and the castle is is just uh, stunning, um, and the the surroundings are great. So. Yeah. I've been there. I've been to Stirling Castle, Loch Lomond, and all around there. Yeah, it's lovely. Highland, you know, I did uh, some some great driving around that sort of spot. Awesome. And so, Gavin, you you are a tech enthusiast. You review and put, as you said, put the devices through the 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 uh, through their paces. And uh, I've met bumped into you to quite uh, quite a few uh, tech events, uh, particularly in the UK. How do you tend to travel from Dartmoor around the UK and further? Well, I get on my horse. No. <laughs> <laughs> Fundamentally, where I live, um, you have to drive to start. You have to drive. Um, there is a bus. There, it's uh, got quite a good schedule. There's uh, one time in the morning and another time in the afternoon or late afternoon when it comes back. So it's, it hits the town twice a day, so you've got to drive to do to go anywhere. And then I might take the train as well, so I might drive to a train station that's about an hour away, say Exeter as an example. It's about an hour's drive, and then I'll shoot off on the train and go places. But I do predominantly drive, predominantly drive. Excellent. And uh, you drive in the UK, which means you drive on the correct side of the road, that's the left side of the road, and on the right side of the car as well. Um, what's your, your vehicle that you're using at the moment? What what do you drive? I drive a, a Japanese um, all-single-dancing Nissan Qashqai. So it's mm -hmm. um, just a workhorse, basically. Very basically. nice. So that's a, one of the 
sort of SUV crossovers. It's higher up off the road. I don't know about, well, it looks not that high up, but I suppose it looks a little bit, um, but it's just, it's their top spec model, a particular model I've got. So you've got complete glass, sunroof type thing that opens up. You've got, it can park for you. Um, it's got everything, all the driver aids and stuff, electric, this electric seats, heated seats, and so on and so on. It's a car, gets you from A to B um, at the end of the day. It's great. So it's the most functional of vehicles. It gets you from A to B. That's what it's for. And uh, do, do you enhance your driving experience thanks to mobile devices and gadgets? Well, they all connect via Bluetooth. So you go straight into the car and off you go and stream your music or podcasts, that sort of stuff. So having good Bluetooth does help. It does have a USB in, so you can connect if your device supports it. You can do the USB route in as well, but Bluetooth's far, far easier. And the track on your display, tracking phone, all the rest of it pops up. I haven't got CarPlay or the other one. Android Auto. Android Auto, yeah. So um, how far is it from Dartmoor to London if you were needing to drive that far? If you drive it, it's about 260 miles each way. Wow. So in terms of kilometers, that's almost four kilometers in, in real distance, <laughs> as we would say. <laughs> so that's, that's quite, a, quite a distance. So going to tech launches and tech events... That must take quite a while. Or do you use another form of transport to get there? I'd also have got a helicopter that can do it in an hour, but it doesn't no, it's it's a really it's a real problem because it's not just the fact that it takes a five hour drive. Um, you know, you drive for five hours, you're gonna feel it. And then to attend a tech launch, do all the stuff that you might want to do, you're knackered. So the best thing is to go up the night before, do it travel back but it takes it's not just it's the cost of doing it the time so living around makes it harder to do those events right so you have a, another day job uh, that funds your, your 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 passion for tech and gadgets i do yeah i think most people do to be honest yes um, we we do for example yeah uh, what do you do for a living what's your your main breadwinning activity um, I work in the financial district, um, sort of financial services side of things. I manage, look after a large region. Sort of Very good. Back. Yeah. Excellent. And does that take you on travels, or do you tend to stay in the same region? No, it does. It. What I say? Well, I cover. So, if if you know the geography of um, United Kingdom, um, if you look at Bristol, and then you look at the map, you see this like. I don't know, a leg type thing that comes down. So I'll drive anywhere along there, and that's sort of Bristol, around Bristol, down to where I live, sort of down in Devon. So up to Devon, Cornwall, and occasionally I have to go to Birmingham or Manchester, occasionally I have to go to London. So there's a, there's a reasonable amount of travel. I'd say driving quite a bit, and then there's the odd extended uh, journey. Very good. And when you travel for work, do you use your own car or do they provide rail travel? What's the the way you do that? Well, generally, I'm driving most of the time. So 90% is car. Um, what I might do when I'm going 
to some of the, if I have to go to something really far afield, I'll drive to one of the local stations like Exeter, St. David's, and then take the train to finish the journey off because it's just too far. to. You know, if you're going to London, can you imagine trying to do that trip? Actually, the train's not too bad. Um, it's probably the sort of best option, but it's bloody expensive to take train. <laughs> it is. That's one of the, the biggest pain points of travel in the UK. Real travel overall compared to other countries is very good, mm. but it is extremely expensive. And as of uh, the other day, it's become even more expensive. Lukesh and I have a colleague, uh, our boss for now, who will be leaving us soon. Uh, she was complaining about travel as she got up at 5 a.m. to get the train to commute into work. And it was cancelled, and the next available train was at 9.23, oh. which is quite a, quite a pain point, as in mm. we've all had uh, rail price increases in the UK for train services that often don't even turn up. So, yeah, uh, yeah it's, it's not ideal. Rail travel is one of those things which does still work in the UK, but could be improved. And arguably work is being done to do that have you I, heard of hs2 i have heard of it yes the <laughs> service that goes is that allegedly will be faster and cuts through the countryside to reach those goals but, excellent yeah, that's about right isn't it so and lukesh what were you going to say there no no i wanted to mention uh, my home country poland where the trains are much, much slower and always late. So in here, they get cancelled all the time. In Poland, they're always late. So that's a bit of a of a difference. Uh, in here, they're, they're usually they're usually on time. Uh, but uh, I've I've done a few rail journeys, which which can take like eight hours or nine hours. You go from Krakow, where I used to live, to the seaside. Um, it's yeah. It's a bit of a, of a fun journey um, <laughs> there. Uh, but uh, maybe instead of SH2, we can have Hyperloop one day. <laughs> yes. Uh, Lukesh and I are quite enthusiastic about Hyperloop. Um, we In have different ways, I guess. <laughs> yes. I'm slightly more of a cynic, uh, yet still think that there is potential in the technology. Uh, we both turn up and we're quite supportive of the Hyperloop One team in Edinburgh, who are attached to Edinburgh University, are working in some R&D for components, but more in particular in designing prototypes for Hyperloop in the UK. Uh, we'll see how that works out, but it is a nice thought and how they're going to be doing that is the interesting thing to watch from a distance. But I think there's a lot of optimization that can be reached on our existing infrastructure and technologies without having to reinvent rail travel. Speaking of that, did you follow the December announcement and unveiling of a tunnel in LA uh, to demonstrate cars in the Hyperloop world? Uh, yes, the one where the car just fits in the tunnel and everyone was scared, like the out their brains going through us at 70 miles an hour. <laughs> And there's Elon Musk saying, oh, don't worry, we could do 150 through these. No problem. Yeah, so, so what did you think of that? Do you think that would be a solution that would make a place like Dartmoor more accessible or make life traveling easier? They're never going to put that up here. Let's put it that way. <laughs> um, 
We'll send out the sheep with machine guns and stop people digging the holes. <laughs> Just look at them. It's yes, I think for crowded cities, could they do it? No, I don't think they could do it in London because there's so much um, cabling, pipe work. The trains aren't that deep beneath the surface. I think it'd be very difficult to do something like that um, in London. Obviously, it's just it's a proof of concept. He's actually proved he can actually deliver and dig these tunnels. So I think it'd be interesting to see what he could do next. Yeah, I think Elon Musk is trying to uh, both prove prove the concept and he wants to be very agile about it. He wants to make the the building of the tunnels much faster. And if um, if he's able to prove that he, he is faster than his um, pet snail uh, and he's able to build those tunnels quickly, then maybe there would be ways of, of building quite, um, you know, going around the subway and going around the, the cabling. Um, so I'm hopeful for that. Uh, the only problem is making this for cars. I don't think it's the best idea. Maybe making it like a means of public transport would be more of a better way because if you can only, if you get a tunnel and you only get one person into a car, I don't think that's much of a benefit. If you can get 16 people into one. Those are only Teslas that could use it though. At the moment, yes, the yeah. first version. The the it, initial idea was with like uh, platforms, mm. which, would, which would carry any car. Uh, the current MVP um, is just uh, Tesla's with um, side wheels, but we'll see. Yeah, so let's just just clarify there. We used an acronym, which in the industry is very common, MVP. Um, to tech geeks and people who work in the tech industry, MVP stands for minimum viable product. Whereas uh, to most people, it's the most vi uh, valuable player or person in any situation. In this case, it's a minimum viable product. Um, I'm a bit more skeptic about this. I think the true value in this isn't getting a car onto a set of rails or into a little platform that runs around the tunnel. It's the tunnel itself. Being able to build that tunnel and have that used is more important because the tunnel itself, let's face it, would be much more efficient if you could have 300 people on a train as compared to maybe one or two people in one car at a time. The throughput maths is pretty simple. But I hope that the tunneling technology and the way they build the tunnels and insulate them and reinforce them makes them safer and more economically viable. Uh, I, I'm more excited about that than I am about the idea of putting a car on a little trolley because you're still you're just moving the congestion from one place to another, in my view. <laughs> Then again, um, it would be a nice chance if you're driving to sit down and maybe listen to some music or to a podcast, a podcast like, say, the Tech Travel Geeks podcast. Um, speaking of our podcast, you can now uh, find us on TuneIn Radio. At the beginning, at the beginning of December, we were approved to be on TuneIn, which means that you should also be able to invoke us on Amazon's Alexa home speaker, not mm -hmm. just on Google Home. So uh, we won't say the words out too lightly because it will set off everyone's digital assistance. But we're now available both on, on Google Home and Amazon's Echo devices, as well as all the other excellent channels. You can subscribe to Tech Travel Geeks here on YouTube 
Uh, you can subscribe to our podcast on Apple, iTunes, and everywhere else you get good podcasts from. Gavin, um, where do you tend to create most content for? Where's the place you put most of your content? Well, it used to be my website. And my website's been going probably eight years now, at least. So there's in excess of 500 reviews on there, which is quite a lot. But as time's moved on, YouTube is the let's take it's the bigger platform. So I, I, I cross, so I do, I do for every review, I do a YouTube video. I then take that video and embed it into some text, which will have some additional information. Might share some photos as well. So, but most a lot of I suppose there's some people like to read. Some people like to watch videos. So I do a bit of both. So if I do live on one, it's live on the other and vice versa. That's done. But YouTube definitely seems to be people lazy and they like just pressing play rather than reading text. So you, your two forms of content that you create for your reviews, your text and your videos, they complement each other. It's not a carbon copy of each piece of content it's the text will have more in-depth technical content and opinions whereas the video will be a bit more hands-on and actually showing off how the device performs it's, you can use it for two you can do two different things one's visual one's not <clears throat> but when i go to a more detailed in-depth review i will have sometimes on my website additional posts with no video in it at all and it might be just saying, right, okay, here's the Huawei Mate 20 Pro. I went and visited this National Trust house. Here's the shots from there. And you've got full res photos embedded in an article. Or I might do, okay, I went out at night and did some uh, special night shots, light trails, the stars. Here are the photos. You can't really share that properly on a YouTube video because people can't really see the quality of those shots. Yeah, you can include it as part of a a camera review on YouTube, which I will do, but I have lots of separate posts. And I think on the Mate 20 Pro or P20 Pro, it's at least 20 parts, 20 separate posts on the website, which obviously is quite a lot. That's great. So it's you're essentially modularizing your opinion creation into lots of more bite-sized bits of content, which are more specifically uh, valued by people interested in just that element. And you, you mentioned the Huawei Mate 20 Pro there. Uh, you're speaking to the to the converted. Lukesh and I are both very happy Huawei Mate 20 Pro users. Uh, what are your highlights of the device? What's What really stands out to you about the Huawei Mate 20 Pro? Well, it's just a fab phone. It's got great battery for a start. It's got, the camera's got better as the months have gone on with updates. And I think now it's at a point when if they'd released it as it is now, I think that would be would have been quite good because the camera's definitely, definitely got a lot better. But it's so it's just very versatile. Having all those options in the rear cameras just gives you if you're traveling, you know, if you do a lot of traveling and you need ultra wide. I mean, this is um here, let me see it's the GoPro Hero 7 Black in a cage and everything. But that can go really wide. But now you can just pick your phone up and use your phone 
and you've got that kind of effect straight away. Yeah, and the, the cameras on the device are great. There was an issue uh, that we highlighted um, up to towards the end of November last year, where the electric or electronic image stabilization of the Huawei Mate 20 Pro was having a bit of a warp effect. And I took a, a video in the markets of Shenzhen of just me walking along, holding the phone, recording the video in 4K. And I was using it both as a normal lens with a wide angle lens. But as I was walking along, you could see along the sides of the screen of the recording, there's this sort of warping effect, which I've noticed has been fixed now. Had you noticed that? What were you yeah, thinking? I actually, yeah, I did two videos. I think I've got at least two videos, separate videos covering, um, because it was very noticeable when I did. But here's, the, here's how you use the phone. Here's how you use the camera. Here's some camera shots, first video. Right, it's just had a firmware update. Let's see if the video's improved. So I did another video. That jello wobbling effect on the side was pretty awful, but um, thankfully that's um, been addressed. It's, it is still... You look really carefully, tiny, tiny bit there, but most people wouldn't see it. Um, yeah. So I still think if you look at cameras, and I've got, I mean, so down here, this is um, the new DJI Osmo Pocket um, here. You know, the, the, the GoPro GoPro Hero 7 Black, they're, they're, they're good at certain things. And I think what Huawei have is a phone that's exceptional at photography. It's good in video, and it's got some really clever uh, video AI effects. I love the black and white thing where it puts um, people in color and everything else in black and white, color pop, whatever they call it. Yeah, the color <laughs> pop is, is, is an amazing feature. Yeah, absolutely love it. So I think, and I know a lot of people that have got that phone do love it as well, just normal people that bought it really love that particular phone. But for real photography, it's where it shines. That's its strength plus the battery, plus some of the little tricks it's got. Still got the IR blaster. I like that. Um, you know, you, you sat on the sofa and you think, damn, the remote's up there. Oh, never mind, I can do that. You know. As, as people who travel, we, we really appreciate that infrared blaster because sometimes you end up in a hotel room where your TV is locked down with the, that horrible firmware. And there is an HDMI port in the back you could plug your laptop into, but you can't get at it with the provided remote control. And a bit of messing around with a Huawei Mate 20 Pro or any phone with an infrared blaster will allow you to change the input to select that HDMI port. Uh, just, just to jump in, we just had a question. We, we've actually had a few questions from uh, one of our viewers, Ant Pruitt. Uh, who also has a YouTube channel, a tech channel. Oh, yeah, and Pruitt of All About Android fame and his awesome channel. Um, I have I can comfortably say I've learned a lot uh, about photography from Ant. So thanks for watching, Ant. And Excellent. Fire the question ahead. He was just asking about the uh, the, the uh, CPUs, uh, whether it's current, current and um, if it's any good, I'm guessing, is the follow-up. What do you guys think? Gavin, we'll pass it to our guest, who's uh, an expert in the matter. So the Kira 980 is a fabulous um, piece of processor. So first, mass well, they announced it first, 7 nanometer. That's very significant for a number of reasons. 
one, stuff moves quicker. It's also better on power saving. It's fast, it's more efficient. It's on the photography front. It leaps forward. So the AI stuff it can do, um, I think from the scene and um, from scene detection, it can go from 500 different items and it can identify 500 different items on the old ship, but on this new Kira 980, it jumps to 1,500 different scenes. So it's a far more powerful, more efficient processor. Um, yeah, it's fast. It handles everything. It learns how to use your machine. I think it's great, to be honest. That's yeah. very good. Uh, Lukash, how about you? Yeah, I'm loving it. The only thing I think it's missing, it's uh, 60 frames per second in 4K, which uh, other cameras like uh, Samsung's and iPhones do. So it should have the, the processing power, but it doesn't have the co-processor, I guess, to, to handle 60 frames in, in 4K. So I'm hoping the next camera, next uh, next phone they have has that functionality. Other than that, I love I love the, the, the CPU and especially the battery and the cameras. So, yeah. Explain that to our listeners. So 4K 60, 60 frames per second is essentially you have 4K resolution, which is double full high definition, double what most people have on their, their TVs. But then it frames, it takes video at 60 frames per, per second, which is 60 pictures per second. On particularly good televisions and monitors and screens, that means you have a very fluid picture. But then that also enables editors to take that video, edit it, and maybe take some footage in slow motion after it's been filmed in normal normal video. So to slow down and speed up video, it makes it better. So that's a feature we hope to see in the next one. I don't think it's entirely impossible for that to be enabled in a future software update say if the android mm. stack were significantly changed in how video is handled and handled between the gpu the processor and the memory i think it's processor limited actually uh, i'm i'm not i'm not sure but i would guess uh, like samsung's released it straight away if they have the possibility they they release it uh, so, but but yeah maybe, maybe. i don't i'm not sure Maybe Ant can let us know in the comments if he's uh, more aware than we are of, of that. I think with 4K60, if you look at other phones that do it, not every phone does. I mean, the Pixel doesn't do 4K60, Pixel 3, for example. But if you look at, say, iPhones, the latest ones that do do 4K60, if you look very carefully at the um, audio and, and the actual uh, picture quality, it does lose a bit of quality. It's 4K60. It's, it does lose it, so you are better if you can, depending on what you're doing, dropping down to a lower resolution. But I think the new processors, processors that are coming out, could be quite interesting. What they can do, maybe 8K on the Samsung. Yeah, <laughs> and uh -huh. to put put this into perspective, uh, most semi-professional cameras, like. Uh, most people use to film YouTube videos, uh, even the more professional uh, people, uh, the cameras they own don't have 4K in 60 frames per second. There's only a couple uh, which do this, like Panasonic GH5, uh, the new uh, some, some of the new Sonys and um, and not even the new Canons. Uh, most most cameras don't do 4K 60. So um, yeah, it's pretty pretty amazing that the what the phones can do nowadays. But also, if you're filming on YouTube, you should be, or you're probably filming at 4K 24, 
for a more cinematic look rather than 4K 60. But I've got to say, I don't, the only reason you film 4K is to, so you can crop in and you'll export at 1080p. Mm -hmm. There's no benefit at the moment of having a YouTube video on tech reviews at 4K, none whatsoever. Unless you're MK PhD <laughs> uh, who films in 8, 8K. Uh, what what do we do at Tech Travel Geeks in for our reviews? Uh, I, I usually film on my GH5 in 4K60 and slow it down in some cases or export it to 1080 24 as you're saying, mm. exactly as you're saying. So I have the flexibility to recrop, to zoom, uh, two times zoom lossless and to do 40% slowdown. So um, I'm, I'm able to, like there was one scene, um, our favorite scene when uh, Matteo almost dropped uh, one of the phones, was it made Huawei Honor 10? Yeah, so it was the shiny and slippery Huawei Honor 10, which was running the Kirin 970 chipset. I almost dropped that whilst actually answering a call. Yeah, <laughs> and we have this in glorious uh, slow motion, so it's, yeah. it's yeah, pretty really cool. useful. So for our listeners, if it's the first time you're watching the Tech Travel Geeks podcast, if you hadn't noticed, our Tech Travel Geeks photography and videography expert is Lukash. His official title at Tech Travel Geeks is Chief Aperture Officer. Um, trust me, it's true. We're having his business cards printed for MWC as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> so, Gavin, um, you, you take lots of devices on your walks. Uh, the Mate 20 Pro seems to be one of your favorites. What are the other devices of 2018 that stand out to you? What was your, your favorite other devices? Let's say your top three of 2018 well it's interesting i think it's always the next device or the newest one so i quite like the pixel 3 xl um i did have the smaller pixel 3 originally but i had two 41 so i had the first one the screen started to flash uncontrollably so it got exchanged for a new one and that had the same problem so i went to the xl which i don't actually like because it's got the very big notch on it i actually don't like it for that I like the rear camera. It's okay. Um, what else? The P uh, P20 Pro. I think that's that set it off. That was just an amazing phone for the camera. I had a blast with that. I mean, my main YouTube review on it has 300 photos in it. 300 at the end. That's 16 minutes gallery played. Um, 300 photos. So just to clarify, the Huawei P20 Pro is yeah. their springtime flagship release. Yes. Whereas the Mate 20 Pro was the 2018 autumn or fall uh, flagship release. What were the main differences between the two, specifically around the chipset and the the cameras? Tell us, Gavin. So the, the, the Kirin 970 sat in the P20 Pro and um, predominantly, it's a very good chipset, but the chipset's weakness was video. So I think, as Lukash mentioned, you know, doing 4K was dreadful. Stabilization was a problem on it as well, because again, the more the more the greater your chip or your processor is, the more it can manage on that sort of stuff. But it was all about photography on that particular phone. So it had a 40 megapixel main sensor, really large main sensor. 
it had, excuse me, it had um, a monochrome, 20 megapixel monochrome, and an 8 megapixel telephoto lens. So you started to get, and had this wonderful night mode, handheld night mode, you know, way before everyone else, six months before anyone else, just absolutely a blast. And it took wonderful photos. The creativity was off the charts. But video, it wasn't the best of video, but it's like everything. Some devices specialize, and that's where it specialized in rear photography. Everything else about it, very nice. You know, good old you know, Huawei standard affair, EMUI, and I was very happy with it. Good battery life and the rest of it. The 980, the processor on that in the Mate 20 Pro, different league, totally different league. It can do more computational photography, so it's far more powerful. And they dropped the monochrome sensor and they stuck in the um, ultra wide because the pixel bending and the power of that new processor meant it didn't need the data that it did need previously um, when it was running on the P20 Pro. So that's for me. Um, but also the P20 Pro is slightly smaller in overall size measurements. I think it's slightly smaller. So it's, if someone wants a slightly easier phone to hold, that's the one to get. And it doesn't have the curved edges. The Mate 20 Pro has curved edges, which aren't as easy to hold. Looks prettier. It's very pretty. Yeah, that's a very good way of seeing it. So I got back from the launch of the Huawei Mate 20 Pro in London, showed it to Lukash, and he went out and pre-ordered one. Uh, he liked it so much. And having said that, I have had and still technically have the Huawei P20 Pro. Um, I've been holding off uh, giving that to my better half, Candice, but she is now in the process of moving across from her honor view 10 to the huawei p20 pro uh because i just don't have enough sim cards to put in all devices <laughs> <laughs> but we have such a backlog at tech travel geeks of reviews and in-depth looks at particular features and video output of devices that we have decided to uh, forgo the p20 pro and focus on what we have in the backlog looking at the other side of the spectrum gavin what is your sub hundred pounds or sub hundred and twenty dollar uh, preferred smartphone? What do you think sits in that hundred and twenty dollar price range, which you think is a good value for money device? I have no idea. So, okay. um, <laughs> so you don't follow that space much? No, I mean, I mean, on a seven X, I've used, for example, but I don't think it's as cheap as that. So. That's um, more of the £200 price. Yeah, so um, to be honest, I wouldn't um, – I have used plenty of uh, £150 on less devices and with mixed results. So I think if you're looking to, to get a phone, unless you're just going to use it for calls and texts and just social media and not worry about too much um, – my uh, Xiaomi Redmi 6 or something like that is quite reasonable, wasn't it? Um, but again, it's not the sort of thing I'm that clued up on, to be honest. So I'm currently working on uh, the Tech Travel Geeks review of a Nokia device. This is the Nokia 2.1. Um, this is a £79 uh, recommended retail price device that's less than $100. And it's a 5.5-inch uh, HD, that's a 720p screen. It has a MediaTek quad-core processor, 
8 gigabytes of internal storage, 1 gigabyte of RAM. It's powered by Android Go, the new lightweight version of Android for this type of device. And I've been quite enjoying it. It's for the price and the relatively underpowered overall device. It performs really well. And I find myself watching Netflix and YouTube and Amazon Video on it a lot, mainly because it's a good enough screen. And 720 held in your hand is more than enough as far as resolution is concerned. Uh, I'm really impressed with this. So we're going to be working on the review to this device. Uh, Lukash and I are flying to Amsterdam tomorrow to do a lot of B-roll video recording and maybe eating some food and drinking some beer. Uh, we, we'll see about that. But the plan is to, to go out and do our reviews of these devices and also see what the video cameras and, and the cameras are capable of, mostly in good light conditions, because I'm pretty confident it's terrible in low light. But for £79 in the UK, that is a very affordable device uh, for smartphone use. You seem to have sparked some interest from Ant, who, who was surprised that there is, there is even uh, such a sub-240 dollar market. So maybe it's worth in, 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 in investigating more of this area. Yeah. So, um, okay, a bit of background. I used to work in the retail sector uh, in a company that also had a chain of smartphone and, well, at the time, phone shops. And I know that this that sub hundred dollar smartphone market is enormous. Uh, it is, I would say, at least in the UK, it's around about thirty percent of the market. Most people don't spend more than a hundred or one hundred and fifty pounds sterling, and definitely less than two hundred dollars on a smartphone, because their key usage. Uh, the key usage of these devices is for text messages, calls, very light social media and photography. They are not super interested in everything else. The key things they need is to be able to access the device, and the bonus is good battery life and occasionally a good camera. So yes, there is an enormous market for that. And at the moment, particularly in Europe and uh, even more particularly in Southern Europe, Nokia or Nokia has made an enormous comeback thanks to not only the brand and the nostalgia around the brand, but their uh, partnership with Google, which has given them the gift of Android Go, which enables them to make even cheaper devices. And not only are they cheaper, but they perform relatively well for the price. So. We're starting to see other companies do Android Go, including Meizu from China, including Alcatel, part of TCL. And uh, I believe Sony are also working on a, an Android Go device. This is not the sort of thing that gets the geeks super excited or super happy about, but it's an enormous part of the market. And it may also be the, a candidate for a device if you're traveling to the UK. For example, you're on Verizon in the US. You have a locked device which may not work on networks in Europe. If you're visiting Europe, you can walk into a store with less than $100, pick up a local smartphone with a SIM card and credit, and have access to those services for probably less than the price of a day's roaming on some networks. So 
yeah, it is quite a big market. I think it's a very big market for travelers. You'll see that if you come in, fly into Heathrow Airport or to many other airports in Europe, there are places that sell SIM cards and inexpensive smartphones. Just uh, how I did review the Nokia 5 some months back, and that had a Snapdragon 430. And again, someone like me, it probably was not the right phone, but it was quite slow opening applications. But you said this Nokia has a MediaTek. I just wonder if the MediaTek's a better fit for this sort of sort of cut-down <laughs> phone kind of approach. I mean, for some people, you said different approaches, different needs, different markets. And if you're doing it, as I said, just for social media type things, it's it's fine, absolutely fine. Yes, it's absolutely fine. And I'd say it's also, for many people, it may also be a cost thing. They really can't afford much more than that price for a device. Uh, MediaTek is a Taiwanese company or a Taiwan-based company who do chipsets for smartphones. Arguably, they are the beginning of they are they were the beginning of the smartphone revolution before smartphones as we know them today existed. Uh, they used to power some of the feature phones of the early two thousands and started growing. Their key thing was that they did a system on a chip, which was cheap and accessible. You could walk down to a market in Shenzhen and buy a roll of chipsets and start assembling your own smartphones with very little outlay at the beginning. Nowadays, not only do they cater to that market, but they also do mass production of reliable, better chipsets for bigger companies. So, for example, this is a, a low-end MediaTek chipset in this Nokia 1, Nokia 2 1. Uh, that does the job. It's not great, but it does work. So what I would say is, MediaTek is one of those trade-offs the product managers making the smartphone, whether it's an OEM or ADM, have to decide on. And it also depends on the markets they plan on selling those devices on, because the radios associated with the systems on a chip uh, will be regionally targeted, because having less bands and less frequencies to support means that the cost of the chipset itself goes down. And let's face it, the sort of person buying that phone in that market is unlikely to travel to other ones and need the other radio bands. So, yeah, MediaTek seems to work well in this. It's not the fastest chipset, but if you just need to open Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, it works perfectly well. Uh, I would say it works great with Google Maps if you install the full version of Google Maps. But being Android Go, this has Android, or it has Google Maps Go edition, which is essentially a web view of, of Google Maps. I would say that doesn't perform as well. But yeah, it, it seems to work well. The whole point of this market segment is a balance between price and features. I think MediaTek fits very well in there. And then again, you, you mentioned you reviewed the Nokia 5 which is uh, your, the one you reviewed, Gavin. Um, I believe that's one of the 28 nanometer chipsets, which means it's a relatively inefficient one. But as far as, as battery usage was, because it's uh, relatively slow, it all balances out. Uh, am I correct in saying that? How was your battery experience with the Nokia 5? That was the only positive, um, was the battery. But say so it's not a phone that I personally would use. I don't think 
it's the right market. You know, I don't think the UK is the right market for that phone. But, you know, again, if someone just wanted a phone for messaging and phone calls, that's absolutely fine. It's when you start overloading it, you know, just to <laughs> a half, even half a restore of some of the hundreds of apps that I use, the phone just grinds to a halt. But that's not what it's made for. So um, horses for courses, as I say. Sure. So um, you mentioned earlier that listening to audio in your car is one of the things you use a smartphone for. What are your preferred apps for doing that? What are Gavin Fabiani Lehman's preferred apps for audio? So very simply, I have Pocket Cast. So whether I have an iOS device, whatever phone I've got, I've got the app, I've got the web client as well. So it's very handy. So that's how I get my podcast. I subscribe to YouTube Premium. So if I'm on the train, I can catch up on videos because I've downloaded them. I've got Google Play Music subscription, obviously part of YouTube Premium. Uh, I subscribe, I'm a Prime, Amazon Prime subscriber, so I have Amazon Music. I also have all my, all my music on a memory card. So this is about 200 gig of locally stored music. So when I'm traveling where there is no connection, I can use that. And I also, when I have um, at home, I listen to Tidal because that's a much higher quality um, streaming service. But for that, I prefer using it at home and having the bandwidth to stream that. Okay. And what speakers do you connect your, your phone to for Tidal? I don't. I use headphones. So every so four dogs, four, you know, Labradors, bopping around and you know oh whoops i've just knocked over one of one of you know gavin's speakers it would happen all the time um it's just not i just it's one of those things it's very weird i don't really care about um you know speakers and stuff like that i'm more into you know these are akg headphones for the podcast they're quite nice because they're quite neutral and sounding but i've got um some sony Mark one WH one thousand MX threes here. What else have I got um, up here charging? These are the new Sennheiser. Um, uh, you can see those the um, sort of um, things like so. Um, but the latest uh, Momentum's completely wire free. So that's my thing. Headphones. So and you get you nice quality. I, I, I've been using the um, Sony's uh, version two, and I've been loving them. So, uh, you're, you're enjoying the version three? Have you version three, with... yes. The version three, I'll show you, has um, you could never tell the difference. <laughs> there are some visual changes, um, but it's USB C, as not micro USB. Yeah, they've got more. The best way of describing the sound is yours. Uh, you love the sound of yours, so don't listen to these. Whatever you do, do not ever listen to these because they'll make your two sound dull. Um, so don't. I seriously, I mean it. Do not even. You're forever. You'll be able to put. You'll put your twos back on, and you think, no, why do I do that? Um, but you're chasing a never-ending, you know, sort of circle of what gets better and better. Um, but That's yeah. Very good. So you prefer headphones. Gavin, I'm going to put you on the spot here. You have to leave tomorrow yes. for a three-day trip. Yeah. What do you what tech do you put in your bag? Okay, very simple. 
GoPro Hero uh, seven, GoPro Hero Seven Black, um, DJI Osmo Pocket, see um, phone Huawei Twenty Pro Pixel Three, and I would probably take the Sony headphones because they've got the longer battery life, and everything's USB C. Um, I'd also pick up. I've got so much stuff lying around here. Um, my uh, DJI Osmo Mobile Two for my uh, phone stabilization, some tripods. Um, I didn't prepare for this, by the way, just happened to have them next to me. Um, yeah, and lights, probably a couple of lights. That's it. Not much, probably. Um, so a few tripods, uh, different video cameras, phones, uh, battery pack. I've got a 20,000 milliamp battery pack over there. Uh, probably um, uh, external mic, if I wanted to do that. That's for the um, GoPro. need the adapter there. Um, and, some, and that's it, right? Not much. Very good. And you mentioned battery packs. What's your preferred brand of power banks? Um, Anchor. Uh, so I have. Uh, um, so I actually have. Um, talking of Huawei, I actually have um, a Huawei um, battery bank power Ooh. bank. Um, but this is sorry. This is uh, Rav Power. So there. The only brand which everyone probably uses a lot that I won't use is um, Orkey. I had a very bad experience from their battery packs. So, um, did they go um, Basically, I throw it away. I was thinking that it expanded. Ouch, that's not good. That's not good, no. So, um, so Anchor, Rav Power. I think, put, for me, you've got to use a decent brand because it's like you're using this, you're putting this battery you're connecting it to your expensive equipment and it's you could use it in your home. What if it suddenly catches fire? So people buy all these non these unknown brands and suddenly they wonder why I get a problem. So I think you've got to pay just a little extra. That's my view. We just had another question. How many bags do you carry then to get all of those gadgets? Uh, so, so I have, um, again, I haven't prepared for this. So, oh, so if I, if I want, uh, Little camera stuff. That's that one. So, I've got this, which is quite smart, but you can put everything in there. And mm. I've also got, uh, I've got a small man bag, or I've got uh, another different size Ted Baker man bag. And you take all of them into on, on the one three-day trip. Yeah, okay. I mean, GoPros, uh, GoPros waterproof. Um, so you don't worry about that. Take it out anywhere, underwater, water, whatever. Yeah. Um, this has only got in a special housing, so I can put this on and lenses and stuff um, for really lovely gimbal quality video, the DJI, and your phones for everything else. What's your What's your preference? Actually, I I, I saw your um, Osmo review, uh, and you, you you seem to have liked it. Uh, I just got the GoPro Seven. What's your preference for stabilization? Uh, you can't compare the two; they're so different in applications. Mm. Um, the gimbal quality of this overall is very very good, but I wouldn't take this out on a wet day because it's not water; it's not water resistant. But I would use it if I want to pan. And you just have really smooth panning. It's a different. It's a different thing. I think for most people, I actually think this could be better because mm -hmm. it's just idiot proof. Yeah. But 
I think some of the stuff I could get with this will be way better than this. The stabilization on the 7 is awesome. Yeah. But as soon as it goes dim, conditions drop. Rubbish. It's yeah. no good. So, Lucas, uh, you're taking your, your GoPro to, to Amsterdam with us uh, tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, luckily, that's waterproof, though I do not plan on ending up in any canals. <laughs> Just make that clear now. Let's hope not. Uh, I'm also taking it to the Caribbean on a cruise, so we'll see how that works. And I've already tested it in uh, while skiing, and it's been it's been good. So, excellent. How long until the seventeen thousand tons of metal? Uh, just uh, three weeks. One, two, three, three, four weeks. Exactly four weeks from now. Excellent. Uh, we look forward to footage and content coming from a cruise ship in the Caribbean full of metal heads. <laughs> that sounds like a fun experience. Yep. So, Gavin, uh, that, that's great. You, you obviously know your stuff. You have a good selection of bags. Uh, you definitely an, uh, an authority when it comes to to smartphone cameras. What is, apart from the Huawei Mate 20 Pro, what's the second in line of, of 2018? What was the second best device? Well, again, different devices do different things. So I really liked the, I really liked the Pixel 3, um, the rear photography and the front selfie camera is very, very good. But it's really, it's not very as good at all on video. So then I would drop to iPhone. So either the iPhone XS or XS Max or the iPhone XR. You know, for video, it's astonishing. Really, not just good video, but good audio on the video. So that is would be my thing. Or the Note Nine, the Samsung Galaxy Note Nine. If you did, if you didn't do take a lot of still photos, but you're into um, video, the video quality from the Note Nine was very, very good, and the audio on the video was excellent as well. Excellent. So the Pixel, you, you think, was a close second on a par with Note 9, depending on usage? Yeah, so if I rank them, I'd have my Mate 20 Pro. I'd have the, the it's depending whether uh, photos were, or videos were preference, either Note 9 or Pixel 3, XL, and then I'd have the iPhone, probably 10R sitting behind that, or 10R, 10S, depends what you want, but, uh, and budget, I suppose, as well. So, I mean, the iPhone, I did have the iPhone for a little bit, but it just had so many... iOS on a phone is just doesn't have the same flexibility that Android does. So, But it's a good phone, but it's just not for me. Uh, that's good to hear. Uh, we'll refrain from commenting on all the uh, news about Apple in the last few days. Uh, that's probably uh, not our place to do. We're not a financial analysis podcast or a, a politics podcast yet, uh, but we're still dabbling with the idea of becoming a, a philosophy podcast. We should have Majid back on soon to discuss uh, the meaning of life and all that. <laughs> <laughs> so um, thank you very much for joining us, Gavin. Is there any other project or thing you're doing apart from Gavin's gadgets that you'd like to shout out about? Maybe a, a, another personal project, completely untech related or untravel related. Well, I'm looking at a couple of things, so they're sort of um, a couple of ideas at the moment, which I have to keep quiet about. So I'll nix them. So, but there's a few things non-tech related that I might look at. Um, maybe so, maybe in the food side, but I haven't worked out 
that sort of things. And also maybe taking um, tech for pets, something like that. Or, but we'll see. Very good. And what's your your plans for 2019? Are you going to carry on outputting content on Gavin's gadgets? God, yes. So um, I do it as a hobby. I do it because I enjoy doing it. But I seem to put an awful lot of, of content. So if you, you know, on YouTube, so there's a lot of stuff there. Uh, but I enjoy it. So if you didn't, if I didn't enjoy it, then I wouldn't do it. It's as simple as that because I do enjoy it. It uh, probably shows when I do the videos. So there'll be Excellent. more, lots of phone phone reviews, but focusing on the camera and the audio side of things and a lot of audio stuff again, headphones, that sort of stuff. Awesome. And other things. And obviously people can follow you at Gavin's Gadgets on most social networks, in particular Twitter and Instagram. Uh, your YouTube channel, Gavin's Gadgets, we will link to that in the show notes and the YouTube video notes. Thank you very much. Um, is there anything else you'd like to shout out about, apart from gavinsgadgets.com? No, not really. Just thank you again for having me on as a guest. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you for being our first guest of 2019. Um, and in a way, thank you for, for inspiring us to go a step further with Tech Travel Geeks, because as I said, um, I've been looking and reading and consuming your content for many years now and thanks for that thank you lukash um tell us where people can follow you on the internet um yeah i'm mostly on tech travel gigs obviously doing some videos uh and uh, i'm on twitter el suliga i'm on instagram lukash suliga um that's mostly where you can we can find me uh what about you so obviously I'm at Tudoleo on most social networks. You can follow Tech Travel Geeks on YouTube and Twitter, and we'll be producing a lot more content now. I think 2018 was the year we started the website. We started building our production processes, and we're in a bit of a comfortable place now in the sense that we have a lot of travel plans and a lot of content plans. So keep an eye on us, and if you haven't already done so, please subscribe to Tech Travel Geeks on YouTube. We're looking forward to 2019 in the year ahead, and we hope you can join us on the travels. So um, unless we have any other last-minute things or comments on the YouTube uh, live stream, I think we can wrap this one up. Yeah, it's been a yeah. great That's discussion. A yeah. Thanks for having Cheers. you. Yeah. Great. Cheers. Thanks very much Bye. for joining us. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.